it's been a bit of a long time since the last one, but, uh, you know, lots of things have happened. I'll dig into that in the episodes that I've got coming up. This latest episode that I'm about to post now is with Clayton Bricks, a good friend of mine who I met in Korea. He is now a PhD fellow at Penn State University studying design technology in education. Um, So we kind of just caught up, had a chat, talked about the documentary film that he was in, my documentary film that I filmed um, of Clayton and his kickboxing fight in Korea and loads of other stuff, including coronavirus, which I know you're all pretty sick of, but it's a pretty chill environment, just checking in on each other, having a chat, seeing what it's like for him over there in Pennsylvania. I'm talking about my experiences over here in the UK. And like I said, I got lots more of them coming. So, uh, you know, if you like the content, it's on the new YouTube channel now, which is Never Going Home With First Chukas. Hit the subscribe button and the bell if you want to check in and see what the the other episodes are all about. And check me out on Instagram and all that kind of stuff at fuzz underscore chukas. Stay safe. Let's be awesome to each other. It's pretty scary at the moment with all this uh, virus stuff going on. But let's just look after each other and be good people. Jump into the episode. What's going on, man? It's uh, it's been a long, long time, has it not? A super long time. Like, it's unbelievable. In fact, I think a funny story... It's not a funny story, it's real life, but um, can't tell the difference these days. Yeah, though. real <laughs> life the is the funniest story, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, so when I was in South Korea uh, teaching English, I met Clayton. Clayton was in a band uh, called Mr. Headbutt, correct? That's um, correct. I think I, I forgot about this. I just remembered that I actually, uh, like you lost a guitarist at one point, didn't you? And I, I think I... Um, tried i auditioned and you were like yeah <laughs> i forgot about that i just remembered um, i forgot about that too that's Man, hilarious that's, this has been a lot this has been a very good mr headbutt memory lane day i talked to that whole group of folks uh just just earlier this afternoon you know i haven't talked to, to them in years uh, I sp- actually jack's the only one i talked to on a fairly regular basis just over Same, facebook yeah. I've had many failed band attempts with Jack in this country since, <laughs> but he's got two kids and a PhD job, so he is officially not looking at any more failed uh, band projects, I think. But um, Well, his loss. Yeah, yeah. so like uh, Clayton was in a band, uh, I started a band, and we can't, it was kind of like a similar scene, I guess, um, and yeah, we just used to hang out and have drinks and have a good time, and like... It's, whenever, whenever people ask how I know, how I know you... I say, oh, he's the guy who, who made his girlfriend ride on the back of his motorcycle to record me for a documentary he was making about me getting my ass kicked in a kickboxing oh, match. So, like, you brought it up. I forgot to mention that to you because uh, you're actually – well, Clayton's actually a very respected member in the academic community uh, yeah. currently. So uh, let's talk about that for a second before we talk about the stuff that's probably going to sort of – uh, well, let's talk. Let's talk about that because I haven't really got into it with you. So right now you're working at Penn State, is that right? That's right. I'm a I'm a PhD fellow, so I'm on the way, on the way to respect. But right now I I eat a lot of uh, they say shit rolls rolls downhill. So I eat a lot of it as a PhD fellow. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm, I'm what, what sort of field of uh, study? What's your research looking at at the moment? So I do learning design technology, which is. Um, God, how to put it lightly, you know, you ask a PhD what they study, you're, you're in for it, right? Um, yeah. The majority of what I do is focused on 
on understanding how people learn in digital communities. That would be the short version. And the deeper version, and then there's the, the version I sell to journals because that's what they want to hear, which is about the technology. And then there's the version I'm actually interested in, which is how these technologies are affecting how we learn as a society and what we learn as a society and how that impacts perceptions of race and politics and, you know, what, how and why there's a difference in what we're learning, not in terms of content, right? Like, obviously, we're learning different content today than we were 100 years ago, mm. but how the media that we learn it through affects that and how the social experience affects what we learn. Yeah, so context of, like, the view... Like, so I guess you're interested in the... Di- like, I'm going to completely butcher this, by the way. This is this is how... This is when you get a smart person and someone like me, um, but whatever. So from what I take from that is, like, you, you're interested in the... Uh, everything, like, the content might be the same, but the sort of lens, uh, which we could say is your sort of background, socioeconomic background things like that like yeah might have an effect on you're interested in the differences on how people get to the same place but from different areas or how they start the same place and get to different areas you know wow it's a it's a weird world man you study the people learn in such a different way you know, the the funny thing is people are freaking out about public education here in the united states i don't know how it is uh in the uk right now but people are freaking out about public education because kids can't go to school and that's that's a reason to freak out in the eyes of their parents right Mm. the funny thing is most kids don't learn as much from school as they used to because the kids who are interested in learning the good kids who are not good right you can be good and not be into learning but yeah successful in learning right yeah but Mm. the ones who are really interested in learning they get their information from twitter and the internet youtube yeah, when they want to learn, they just they go out and they find the information themselves. They don't need school anymore. It's really interesting. I think there's a lot of online universities that are providing free courses and stuff now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like where you work is doing anything like that, maybe or. You know, I honestly don't know. I probably should. <laughs> I probably <laughs> there's should. a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Um, so yeah, like uh, I I was, I was I normally do like a bit of a short intro. Uh, and then sort of like put it as one video and then roll into a guest or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But today I just did it differently. I thought, oh, like, I'll just get Clayton on. Uh, it's pretty late. And then just kind of talk a little bit about the massive gap in uh, episodes or whatever. But basically, um, I finished my master's last year. Then I had, uh, I was catching up with a small business. I, um, I'm a wedding photographer and stuff, as people might know from the previous episodes. Interestingly enough, I saw Clayton... Because uh, I'm a wedding photographer, I've got I'm part of a couple of groups on Facebook and stuff where um, other people from around the world say, "Oh, this is a wedding I shot the other day. Look how awesome it is!" And who did I see? But Clayton and his wife. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, and it was an it was a pretty awesome picture too. Well, it was an awesome picture, not pretty awesome. It was awesome, and it was Clayton, and I was like, "What? <laughs> Which picture was it? What do you remember?" It's your profile picture now. So you oh, know. the one of us making ridiculous faces, yeah. or the one of us walking down the, I don't know. I don't know how my profile picture So yeah, you're, you're world famous amongst wedding photographers. There you go. You Oddly, sort of coincidentally, I didn't realize you'd gotten married because I'd seen all these, you know, I saw the photos, right? 
Mm. And I just thought, oh, it's just it's just fuz at a wedding. That's what he does. Manipulating my... uh, (laughs) Put on a groom suit, put my camera down, run in, get someone else to take a picture of me. Right. I, I, I honestly, I didn't look too closely. I just figured, oh, right, someone let the photographer have a few drinks at the wedding. That's what they get. <laughs> That's what happens. Like, um, So, yeah, we're both married. And, uh, yeah, I completely lost my train of thought. Now. I can't even remember what I was saying. But, um, um, nope, it's gone. We're talking about learning, talking about... Uh, you were you were introducing how you usually introduce the show. Ah, oh, so basically, I've just had a really shit year. Basically, in a nutshell, without going into it, I had I had a bunch of people, a bunch. When you're self-employed, if uh, clients don't pay you on time or try and sort of uh, you know play play games to sort of save money and get work for free and stuff, it causes a lot of problems. That happened to me quite a lot at the end of last year, not with wedding clients, but with uh, other clients, and that was pretty stressful. So, and then. Um, I suffer with depression, anxiety a bit. Uh, it's pro- that's what my obsession with music is all about, really. But um, so that kind of had a bit of a knock-on effect with me there for like sort of December, January, and then I felt better, and then boom, pandemic. So uh, weirdly enough, though, like I think if for people that like you know suffer with you know anxiety and depression, most people do. Um, statistics say, but Oddly enough, this uh, pandemic, I see a lot of people that are worried, and rightly so. But for me, it's, it's quite interesting because I'm act, I'm, re- I'm obviously very worried. I'm worried about Becky. Uh, she's a teacher, um, you know. And in this country, schools are kind of. We'll talk about this in a sec, but like in this country, they kind of open schools a bit, like for certain people. Um, and the staff that work there, I'm really worried about because they've got no PPE and they've got no testing or nothing. And it's kind of just like sending people in. It's, it's not good. Um, but the weird thing I was going to sort of touch upon is that, like, I think people who have uh, sort of suffered with depression, anxiety, it almost feels normal to me. I don't know. Like, everything being so shit. It's like, ah, well, I can do this. It's, we could just get through it. It's fine. It's a bit of a sad way of like looking at it, but it's just, I don't know. I'm not as freaked out as I thought I would be. Does that it make is, sense? Right? It's, it, no, it, makes, it makes perfect sense. You know, the, the rest of the world, they're used to every day being sunshine or whatever their daily life is, and suddenly they're, they're asked to you know, live in, live in a box and be introverted. And I think the people, the people among us who have real mental health issues, who every day feels like this terrible stress because they've got to go and expose themselves and feel vulnerable in front of other people, it. right? Yeah, yeah, you don't see it because you, you think, whatever, that's you're, life, live through it. But you're an expert all, hiding it, yeah. Right, yeah, it's all sort of switched around and the people who are used to feeling, you know, terrible social anxiety or serious depressive depressive issues obviously some of those people it's exacerbating the situation but a lot of them yeah you know, probably at home going this is this is sort of part and this parcel is isn't park. it? Like, yeah <laughs> it's um it's yeah. a bit sad but i yeah i don't know i'll take that you know there's not much good news going on at the moment so i'll i'll, I'll uh i'll enjoy finding it slightly easier than i thought i would yeah um, I, mean, I, I know exactly how you feel. i'm bipolar i don't know if you, you knew that but it's no, like so, I didn't. No. Sometimes I'll be just, you know, no, nothing in the world could make the day anything other than shit. 
Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, it's in the middle of a pandemic, and I sat down and ate an entire bag of gummy bears and had the best day of my life. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I don't know, on a sort of philosophical note, that is that is life, though, right? <laughs> like, I don't know, that is kind of one day you could be on top of the world, and the next day everyone's, like, in, uh, in trouble. But let's talk about um, what's going on for you right now, then. So are you still in work at the moment? Yeah. So Jody and I are real lucky. Jody works online. She's a marketing agent, and I right. work. You know, I'm a student mostly and a researcher. Yeah. And so I, you know, one hundred, not one hundred percent of what I do is online, but enough of it is online that I could put the rest of it on hold for now. Yeah. And uh, it's and and you're and you're in New York right now. Is that right? I'm in Pennsylvania. That's right, yeah, because you said Penn State. For some reason, I thought, it's, I just always associate you with Texas. I think it's, uh, the hard thing is when someone says Pennsylvania, unless you're from the Midwest United States, even if you're from the majority of the United States, you go, mm. where the fuck is that? <laughs> no, I, I've got quite, I've got, there's quite a lot of bands that I'm really, really, uh, you know, massive fans of that get, come from Pennsylvania. Get this, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to plug State College Pennsylvania here for a second, because Good I didn't much scene, like right? it here. What? kind of garbage music scene in general <laughs> sorry you know i've got to be yeah. honest right but yeah. the the big name punk bands that come through here are ridiculous i saw the misfits i saw michael graves uh doing his misfits album i saw um who else came through total chaos came through black flag oh uh, yeah that's true it's, yeah. it's the middle of nowhere and you think why well, i thought he's washington Oh no, that was uh, that was um, Henry Rollins was from Washington, I think, and then yeah. he moved it. Maybe, yeah, um, yeah. No, there's quite a lot of uh, there's, there's loads of good music coming out there now. Um, so, yeah, luckily for you, um, things haven't changed too much with the pandemic. And you, like, how are you finding like life and you know groceries and that kind of stuff? Obviously, we see American news coverage showing people like going to brawls over toilet paper and same for us though we're not any bad but like that's what that's what it looks like from us well the difference is in the uk the worst of, yeah the worst that'll happen <laughs> is someone gets someone gets their nose broken here people start pulling grenades like uh, truth be told it's been fine as i said we've been real lucky like we have been completely isolated since before everything got crazy because jody has so she has permanent scar tissue in her lungs uh, no. from um, childhood pollution-induced asthma, right? And that makes her basically as high risk as someone can be because if she gets yeah. a nasty cold, it turns into pneumonia. She's been hospitalized five times for it. Uh, so we've been we've been on lockdown since the beginning. And so we only go out. So, all right, we're going to go out gonna go to the grocery store at 5 a.m geared head to toe looking like we're looking like uh it's the end of the world and mm. we get as much as we possibly can and that's when we go out you know once every two weeks because yeah, she's that, and she's also you know she's six months pregnant and so that is a pretty uh scary time yeah so we're we're on full isolation man we we go when we want to go outside we go drive around and don't get out of the car yeah that's that's a good shot to be fair though like i was um 
I thought I might have been slightly higher risk with some medical stuff that I got going on. Uh, and um, same with Becky. Uh, she's She's got an autoimmune issue and stuff. And apparently that, like, the thing is, like, people don't even know it. Like, I think it's pretty safe to say, like, if you've got, like, stuff going on with your lungs, that's a pretty definite, yeah, this is bad. But there's, um, you know, it's such a new thing they don't even know. So I was being the type of person I am as well, I kind of assumed that if we don't know, then it could be potentially really bad and just act accordingly. Right. And that's why, that's why it's all, the whole American response has been confusing to me. This is the Swedish response, right? When something's unfamiliar, but clearly dangerous, it's a reason I don't, there's a reason I don't go like BMX biking or mountain biking <laughs> somewhere that I've never been without a helmet on. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It could be dangerous. A good analogy that I heard was like, um, if uh, if you looked, if you had a jar of M&Ms and you had 100 M&Ms in the pot, but three of them could kill you, you just wouldn't eat any of them, would you? <laughs> it really depends. <laughs> really depends how much you like chocolate. Yeah. And yeah. I think what we've learned is that Americans like chocolate more than they like each other. It's, um, it's actually... So... In the state of Pennsylvania, where you where you are holding up right now, is there a stay-at-home order or whatever they call it? Is it are you? Yeah, I think we're ours is until May fifteenth, right? And it's April twenty-sixth today. So yeah. we've been stay-at-home. It's a pretty. It's been a pretty. Um, I don't know if you want to use the word progressive. I guess forefront state in terms of having pretty aggressive lockdown measures. Mm. Um, they're lifting it in our county. Our county is going to be the first county to have measures lifted yeah. on May fifteenth. It's sad though because, like, when most people are playing this conservative, this this saying, okay, if we sort of go back to normal, a lot of people could die, or it might be fine. I just don't understand this obsession with uh, going. Oh, we can't go on. This can't go on. This can't go on. You think well a lot of people are going to die including you so yeah. is it really I just don't understand it I really don't so I think there are a lot of angles to it right and I think it's important to this is me though I'm, I tend to try to think of things from both sides there are legitimate reasons that it can't go on because at some point the economical damage will be worse than the actual right you, you, know, you think about the, the kind of suffering and death and let's, you know, just global... Suicides going up through the yeah. roof and stuff, yeah. You think about only a couple, what has it been, two months of lockdown? If you consider that over a course of six months, you've got people who haven't who haven't worked already in a month, two months. They live paycheck to paycheck. They're already clamoring at the gates to get... And I say clamoring like it's derogatory. I don't mean it that way. No, I no, apologize, no, no. but. Yeah, yeah. They're clamoring to get their stimulus checks because that's the money that they need, and their job is shut down. They can't go into work. It's not that all of the excuses that have um, kept socialism or whatever you want to call it, but that's a dirty word in America, though. By the way, some, I think I've... for some reason it's like yeah. let's keep our people fed and housed and healthy. If if God yeah. forbid they can't, but it's 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 well, a completely different game in america like i just well, i really feel bad for you guys that don't have free health care 
it's really funny how it became a lot less of a dirty word once the the fat middle class white people wanted it. Yeah, all the all the middle class white folk wanted it, and suddenly it was uh, it was not just a good word. It was something that Donald Trump needed to put his name on. Yeah, um, literally, like literally, that's delayed (laughs) checks and and stuff. That's the funny thing. That's that's what's going to go down in history in my mind, right? Is that Donald Trump will be remembered as the first socialist president of the United States <laughs> since the Great Depression. Yeah. And that's what Republicans are going to like. That's what that's that's what Republicans get to keep as their claim to fame for this presidency is the first really verified socialist president. But I mean, there's a few other things that you could check in that <laughs> chapter as so. well. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting because we've got a conservative government, um, conservative government for a, you know, a conservative government slash coalition with conservatives in for over ten years, and they've just literally cut uh, public services, cut the amount of police officers on the street, cut the funding to the NHS, literally just stripped it to like stripped it right back down to the to, to nothing, um, and it just goes to show. But their their um, their opinion poll is that the right words? You know, when people ask him how popular yeah. they are, is through the roof, and it's all PR. And like when you when you've got like a degree and a master's degree or whatever, oh, that sounds so pretentious. But what I'm trying to say is like, I studied how information is put across and how you can spin something and make things you know make people believe by using images in a way and text in a way and stuff like that. But I see through it and I'm like, this is bullshit. Like you've literally got thousands of deaths on your hands that didn't need to happen. But everyone else just gets this kind of uh, World War II Churchill-esque kind of pulling together for the troops kind of vibe. And and they're they're they're, they're going through the roof with their uh, popularity. And I just can't understand it. And I've gone through anger. I'm like... I just got. I'm past it now, and I just don't understand what type of what type of world we live in. Where like people can literally pull the plug on services, pull the plug on funding, ignore buying PPE for uh, hospitals and stuff, and more, people are dying. We're probably going to have one of the highest death rates in Europe, and we had six weeks to plan for it. It's it's beyond absurd and it's tragic, but I think the real you know, the real lesson to be learned, right? The re- and it's it sucks. It's a, it is unfortunate that you have to learn lessons through tragedy, but some lessons only come through tragedy. And I think the lesson that's going to be the real takeaway is that these governments, these governments that, yeah, they're popular right now because it's the middle of a crisis, right? That's another factor to consider. Like, it's it's not good to still. I kind of feel that as well. You know, like when someone's in the middle of a crisis, you shouldn't go in politicize things for for gain and stuff like that but there is a point where you think um how many could massive mistakes do we need to make where you know right i mean trust me i live in america i know how that feels i you try to look at the news here and they don't even have news anymore in the united states it's just it's two the, different versions of the uh the Jerry Springer show, basically. Yeah, they don't even they don't even cover what the president or the government does anymore. They just cover what the other news stations do. Yeah. They just argue about what each other are saying. Um, but the I I do think that people are going to look back, and it, there's going to be some pretty grim evidence mm. 
some very grim evidence of countries like South Korea that people were terrified of for a solid two weeks until South Korea wiped the disease off off the face of their country or New, New Zealand, Zealand or, or yeah, Australia. Yeah. yeah, and United States and UK, right? When when there's an apocalypse movie, which, Who which countries are... Who would play Donald are, Trump? Like, that's what I mean. It's just so batshit crazy. You just think... I really think Alec Baldwin. He's such a great Donald Trump impersonation. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I don't. It, I, it's beyond absurd. It's almost like they, we are definitely in a simulation, and someone's just run some sort of cheat code and just is messing with us. <laughs> I would. Have you ever played the video game Democracy? Uh, I don't, no, you're not a gamer, kind of like, are you? I am now with all this spare time that I'm getting. So, sure. Um, is it kind of like uh, uh, like an RPG or a no, not an RPG, a yeah, sim. It's, it's like a weird SimCity. little simulation. It's sort of like SimCity a little bit, but the in the basic premise is you get uh, you're the president of a democratic nation, right? And they they call out specific democratic nations, and you could just start on easy mode, which is Norway, and You've got control over the entire federal government, right? You can use your clout to shift things this way or that way. You can kind of expend political assets to move policies this way or that way and enact legislation. And the funny thing is, by the time you get to the United States, which is the UK and the US are the hardest levels, because by the time you get there, the demographics are, the demographics are so strong and people... Every time you do something, a thousand little, a thousand little arrows go in the, every direction and adjust uh, mm. all these million little variables. But by the time you're in the U.S. or the U.K., every time you tweak anything just the tiniest bit, it's total fucking anarchy because no matter what you do, everyone hates it. Yeah, and that's true. <laughs> I mean, and I respect other people's opinions and stuff, but what I and they can, I, the thing that bothers me is the fact that. People are saying this isn't the time to criticize the government, but if the government are making this, like I know that they're not. They, I don't know how they're messing up so bad, but there is, in some sort of country, there could be you know with corruption and stuff like that. There could be someone taking money deliberately over making you know spending decisions. I don't think that's our country, at uh, my country or your country. But I'm saying there's probably some small corrupt countries that would take money and put you know and not spend it correctly so the principle i'm saying is like every government in a democracy should be subject to sort of criticism you should be able to ask them tough questions and you should be able to defend them like to 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 blanketly say how dare you this isn't the time for Mm -hmm. asking questions to government and i think to be honest i think in this country we took too long We, we for for about four like for a long time, people didn't ha- really have any criticism of the government, and they were saying, you know, the government's pulling together, they're doing the best they can. And I thought, fair enough, given the benefit of the doubt, this isn't the time to kick off, but just, you know, I don't know, it just seems like one mistake after another. And I just feel for the poor, you know, the poor f- the NHS staff that go into work, we haven't even got enough PPE for them. They're like tying trash bags around their head because they haven't got the right aprons and stuff. And yeah. I mean, one thing about America is like you've got you've got all the PPE probably in the hospitals because it's well funded and private. No, no, 
No, I mean they're they're getting there, but no. You know, I thought the the main concern I thought for Americans would be lack of healthcare. Like, how how would you get treated if you don't have healthcare? So here's here's the main concern that actually. So they are actually they released that anyone with COVID symptoms, if you go and if you have coronavirus, uh, the novel coronavirus, it's free. They treat that for free, right? And what like thing or just. They just do. They just pay. It's just yeah, covered yeah. by the federal government. Okay. Again, Donald Trump, first socialist president since the Great Depression. Incredible. Incredible, right? Yeah. He's, he's yeah. instated free healthcare. Um, but the the real danger, and this is what's this is what's just the the worst is yet to come. Is the real truth here? The yeah, worst man. is yet to come. I'm talking you see to those my... people in Oregon with like going out with their their, their rifles and stuff protesting. Oh, God, not Oregon. Um, I'm thinking of somewhere. It was somewhere in the Midwest, maybe. But they were just out with their rifles. Michigan. And you, yeah, and you had you had a really good meme for it actually, and it was amazing. And it was like if you believe, ah, uh, remind me, refresh me. But it was the freedom of speech thing. It, it had Colin Kaepernick. If you said, it had people, ah, oh, butchering this. I'll see if I can put it in, but you had a group of people with rifles in the street saying that they believe in freedom of speech. And then underneath was um, uh, a sort of picture of Colin Kaepernick and the two other football players taking a knee. Right. Said, it was, the idea was like, if you think that that's, if it's freedom of speech, and this is a big thing for me, right? Freedom of speech is, a right is a right. You don't get to say that it applies to one context and not another. Yeah, like, sure. Of a Kantian philosophist at, at or philosopher at heart, I guess. But the the meme was you know, had all the, the guys in the with their guns on their chests, and you know, so if you believe that this freedom of speech is protected, and the the freedom of speech protects your right to protest in this way, but not this way, and then it showed the you know Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick yeah, yeah. yeah, kneeling in the football field, you know, and the 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 takeaway is. You don't believe in freedom of speech. You just believe in your freedom of speech. You believe exactly. in him playing football for your entertainment. I uh, yeah, like totally. I it's, I I I love America. I moved to America, but we even we even looked at uh, moving to America at some point. I mean, it, every country's got its criticisms, and I'm not. I there might be people watching now that think that I'm talking shit about America. I'm not. I think it's a great country, but it's just really interesting to me because I've grown up over here and like just, just simple things like, um, healthcare. Like I was in, I was in a car crash in Florida when I went to see, um, when we went to see other friends of ours from Korea, they moved back to America. We went to their wedding. We were in a car crash in America. Pretty scary. Um, and we got picked up, uh, and the ambulance turned up. Now, (laughs) Like the ambulance turned up, they said, "Are you okay?" And I think I went, "I think so." I can't turn the car off because in America they're all automatic, and I like over here you just turn the keys and pull them out, and over there you have to like put it in park before you can take the keys out. So I was, I was worried that the car was gonna explode because I couldn't turn the engine off, and it had like a gas leak and stuff. Um, but yeah, the uh, the police officer who looked like Patton Oswalt, uh, by the way, like said he did in Clearwater, Florida. That guy, what a guy. Um, and the fire brigade, the fire service paramedics came over and said, are you okay? And I went, I think so. And they went to put a, a, a collar around my neck, you know, like a, a neck brace thing. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I said, I said, oh, oh, I don't know if I need that. And this cop was a legend. He just looked at me, he said, he kind of like pulled me over away from the guy and he said, as soon as that goes on your neck, that's $500. Have you got uh, uh, medical insurance or whatever? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, do you want me to just drive you to the hospital? You look fine. And I was like, uh, okay. And we got to ride in the back of a cop car. It's good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, over here, people <laughs> in this country get, get like into a car accident or they stub their toe or they get into a fight or whatever. They go to hospital and then they they get upset and they demand to be seen fast and all this kind of stuff. And they have no, like people in the UK that have never lived elsewhere have zero comprehension on how much medical stuff costs. Cause we went to that hospital, the assistant, I said, oh, I feel kind of okay. I just want to get checked out. This assistant on the desk in Clearwater, no medical qualifications at all. Just said, Oh, you've been in a car crash, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I suggest an MRI. That'd be five thousand dollars. You got try you got insurance, right? Okay, cool. Sit down. I was like, What in this country you have to like you have to be really, really need one to get one. Like they'll give you one, but you can't just dish them out like for nothing, you know? It's 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 absurd. It's hilarious so at the same time. I'm also imagining now I'm imagining Patton Oswald playing the role of the hero, the sort of anti-libertarian <laughs> communist socialist hero saving you from the exploitative private health company. That dude, I got I got photos of it. That guy was awesome. It's but. and it takes that right. It's I God, I remember I used to, when I was in Korea. Right, I can't tell you how many times I went to the hospital in Korea because it was free. It was, it was basically free. It was like $3. Yeah, it was like, I had the cyst taken out of my back and I had a cyst taken out of my leg, which they won't do over here just because it probably, the cost of doing it and the cost of insurance and all that, they probably yeah. just think it's not worth doing. It cost me yeah. like 10 bucks. Yeah, I would I would go to the hospital just, you know, just for the hell of it sometimes, really. Like, ah, man, man, my ears are ringing. I should go see a doctor. I would have to have like a piece of me hanging off now to go to the doctor in the U.S. Like it would yeah. have to be really, really threatening. I guess now I'm a state employee, which you know that's kind of the then that's the funny part, right? Is that the people who who can go to the hospital are the ones who work for the state that says that uh, that they shouldn't have to pay for your health insurance? Yeah. So, um, what's it like working for a uh, call like? I was about to say university, but uh, you know, college in American and university uh, in, in in English over here. But I mean, do, are you politically? Do you have to be a uh, politically? You know, a what's the word? Uh, neutral or like? Well, I don't. I guess I don't teach yet, so I kind of avoided all of that. There's a pretty strong liberal bent here, which yeah. Um. Yeah, Should I just move on. <laughs> <laughs> we we could move on. I don't really care. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't teach yet, so I don't have to worry about that. Luckily, um, uh, no. I just. I just interesting if you if you're paid by the state, and there's a whole lot of rules about what you are and are not allowed to talk about, with, uh, or what's appropriate to talk about, what is inappropriate to talk about. They have a whole lot of rules on it, but luckily none of them apply to me yet. Yeah, it's. Man, I don't so much like working for the state, if I'm being honest. Everyone can have gripes with their employer, though. It's not like... That's true. Just, yeah. That's true. At the end of the day, it's a good gig, right? It's not like I'm working at 
not like I'm working at Amazon or something. Yeah, and and I've uh, had to order a bunch of Amazon stuff to keep shit going over here, and I feel I really wish that like Amazon would just pay their tax. <laughs> like you just think about. I don't know if it's the same in America, but basically over here they 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 run it through different seams and back, mm-hmm. you know, channels and stuff. I don't know. And then I'm a, I'm a massive hypocrite. I can talk about all this stuff and feel about it in this all these different ways, but I'll still order Amazon parcels because I need them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the big fight between my wife and I. It's like the one thing that we argue about is. So I am I'm really really fervently anti Amazon. And I'm also fervently a conservationist because a lot of the work I do is in environmental education. Yeah. And so ordering stuff to the house is like I'm the guy who will not buy. Like I'll not buy a thing for months because I can't find it at the used thrift store. That's true. That's true. And then I'll finally go get it at the thrift store. And so this this period has been a little rough for us because she doesn't order. I'm not sure if it's because she's made the ethical decision not to or if she's just ty- tired of listening to me friggin' bitch about it. Whichever one it is, she stopped ordering mm. Amazon stuff. But we're having a baby, and so we had a, a wedding shower list. and Not a wedding shower, a baby shower list, right? I was going to say, you're smart, like, getting, you know, shift. You're like, can we refund these presents and get the money for the baby shit instead? Cause, right. Yeah. But we, like... We uh, we told everyone we want used stuff only, right? Just bring it with you. But now the pandemic is in the middle of this. We're getting all this stuff on Amazon day in and day out. Yeah. And it's just... I mean, it's it's a nice idea, but... I mean, from a safety aspect as well. I mean, like... Yeah. It might, maybe it's just time to... You're not going back on your principles or your ethics, though. You just, you just adapt into a really weird time. I don't think you should give yourself such a hard time over it. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, um, not necessarily giving myself a hard time. It makes me re-examine a lot of things, right? And I hope mm. that's what I hope people think about at the end of this. For sure, is yeah. having spent this much time inside, having not gone out and spent money on new clothes or new whatever, right? Because we're getting stuff, but it's stuff that people you don't need. You just want, right? Right, and it, it, Jody and I are getting stuff, but, but it's because people are sending it to us because they don't want to. They, I don't know. I, I assume it comes from a good place, right? They're like they know that we're not going to be able to have a baby shower, so they're getting it to us how they can, which is yeah. wonderful. But a lot of people, I assume, are just not buying stuff, and I hope that's the big takeaway that people have is that it turns out I didn't need all of this crap that I've been buying constantly for the past since I was born. Either that True. or maybe maybe they won't think about that at all, and maybe I'm really worried about a sort of second, like not just a well, a second wave of COVID, but not just that. Like if we go back to sort of because things weren't good when, when when people say let's go back to normal, I don't think we should be using that mantra. I think we should be saying let's get let's get through this. You know, right? I'd rather I'd rather talk about it like let's get through this or let's get rid of this virus. Because what we were doing before wasn't great. It wasn't working. I mean, look at air travel and pollution and stuff like that. Like, people are saying on the news, and I, I'm going to sound like a dick for saying it, but like people, people on the news are saying airports are close to shutting and blah 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 because uh, air traffic's down so much. And I thought that's good. 
Like right. we, I mean, I yeah. feel sorry for the people that are going to lose lose work and stuff. Like I really, you know, I really am sorry. I no one should like it sucks like losing a job and stuff. But you know, like if there was an industry that could sort of get phased down or phased out, like oil was like negative prices, weren't it? Yeah, and it's, yeah, you, you hear people talk. You hear them saying that. Man, all this, all the oil companies are losing so much money. It's going to impact the economy because people aren't driving. You say, that's okay. Switch to renewables. Yeah, like that's that's really, that's fine with me, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, it sucks that people are going to lose their jobs, but change is tough. And but it's necessary. Think, sometimes you know, fifty years from now, when my daughter is a full-grown adult and I may be dead or at least really old, I'm not going to look back and say, God, I sure am glad that we really tripled down on oil and that now we've just properly fucked the planet because it saved us from that financial burden when I was 35. Like, yeah, I mean, and not only that, it kind of, it's, it's, it's probably more of a factor for America, but if you're so heavily dependent on uh, on oil, then you can, you can be, you know, messed with by other countries with oil prices and mm-hmm. political stuff, you know. I don't know, but uh, fix it, Fuzz. Fix it. I'm just I've I've literally not done anything sort of you know I I I run a couple of businesses and I do a lot of stuff online, and as soon as this started coming out, when if when, we 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 saw stuff happening in Italy before, uh, before anyone really sort of took it seriously over here, and I thought, and I don't use Twitter, and I thought I'm going to use Twitter because. The BBC, where I get my news, I get my news from the BBC, uh, The Guardian, and then I balance that with some, like, horrible, not very good newspapers that usually have some right-wing agenda and a very, you know, <laughs> what are you, what are you the e- Are you reading the Epoch Times or the Epic Times? <laughs> so, and all of them were just kind of not really making that big a deal about it. Then everyone started, like going on about how it's literally the end of the world in Italy. So I went on, on Twitter and I love Twitter now. It's my new my new favorite way of getting information because there's a lot of shit on there, obviously, but you can, with a bit of common sense, you can kind of like filter through and get to the horse's mouth of the, the source. And there were, there were the scenes in, in Italy that were heartbreaking. There were just people dying left, right and center and like wards full of people and oh, doctors crying because they've been working 15 hours a day and i thought and they were all saying if you're in the uk get ready now stop messing around lock down get ventilators blah blah, blah. and then everyone else was just kind of oh no no it's fine no it's fine there's this thing uh, a lot of uh, the left-leaning newspapers are kind of commenting on over here and that's the uh british uh exceptionalism the fact that like a lot of British people, maybe Americans, I don't know, but like a lot of British people think, oh, well, we'll figure it out because we're smart and we've got years of academic history behind us. And what happened, and I saw it happening before it actually, people started reacting properly in this country. And I've been genuinely pretty scared and worried and stuff. And I just, I haven't felt like the need to go on social media and be like, because a lot of companies and a lot of other people I see are like, hey, blah, blah, blah. They use it as a talking point and then it's like try and turn it around into a sales pitch. Uh, and I just think, 
I just think, guys, I'm pretty worried that we're all going to die. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm just at home trying to learn how to make bread, thinking like, fuck. <laughs> really not <laughs> like, worried about my car insurance right now. So yeah. don't quit trying to sell me on the, that's the one that I get here. Jody. It's the small businesses that like, that, that, because I'm one of them and I I understand where they're coming from. It makes me, it makes me, it's like a sweet, it's like a two-sided thing. I'm like, shit, these people are like shit scared of like having zero money and all that. And I get it. But don't kind of, I saw a photography ad actually um, that was like photographs. You won't realize how important they are until, the, the, until they're the only memories you have left. And I was like, oh my fucking God. Like at some point it's just tacky, right? You like that's what I, I can't imagine that any of the people doing this kind of advertising are going to make any money off of it because I don't you know, know there's, man. There's profiteering that is coy, and there's profiteering that it's so on the nose and so in the moment that even the blindest of people sees that it's just fear mongering and. Mm. Like the advertisements I constantly see on Netflix or not Netflix, Amazon, Amazon Prime, because we do do that, the video streaming, which is awful yeah. for the environment. But I'm locked in a house, so what are you gonna do? What are you gonna Disney do? Disney Plus. Ugh, I will never switch to Disney Plus, if only because <laughs> Disney doesn't get to own they one of Star Wars for you, right? Yeah, they also they yeah. don't get to own one of everything. Like you don't just yeah. get to have one of every kind of company in the world. Yeah, my uh, my wife is obsessed with Disney, so like I, that's happening, and I can't do much about it. Oh man, you don't want to know about obsessed with Disney. My my sis, not my sister, not my stepsister. She and her husband and their kids. So she has been to Disney World every single year for her adult life. Every year they had they got their wedding there. Um, they had their anniversary there. Uh, I, I don't even think that her husband is really super into it. I think he's just sort of accepted that. Some, sometimes, like big Mickey Mouse, he is just like right and just living with it, right? Yeah. It's the strangest thing, man. She is into it, into it. Yeah. I don't know. Takes all kinds, right? Takes all kinds. So, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Texas because I'm obsessed with Texas. I really am. Like I, I am, and I just, I love it. I think it's. I think there's a couple of parallels that I can draw well, from Texas and Wales. I know me, this is a bit of a stretch. Let me let me lead this in because I have a really good Texas story today. All right, cool. So the for the first time in a month, I left the house. Right, because so, I've got a beard. So Jody does all the shopping. So when she, because she can wear a mask properly, right? Yeah. So for the first time in a month, I left the house to do something other than go mountain biking or something else solo. And I went to the bank. I needed to buy quarters, right? Because uh, I needed I needed change for the uh, the laundry. Right. Okay. And because we got a laundry coin thing in our apartment. Anyway. So. I was thinking, okay, I got this beard. Jody can't go. I've got to get my mask on. So I put the, you know, the the ma- the proper mask on, right? Because we have one of those. The doctor gave them to us when uh, when it all started, since she's pregnant. And I uh, get in the car, 
and I'm thinking, man, this is this isn't gonna cut it. I can still feel air flow through my beard, and yeah, I had a yeah. I had a bandana, and so I wrapped the bandana around my face as well. And I got out, of, and it was a rainy day, and it's cold. It's like 40 degrees outside. Uh, I don't know what that is Celsius. It's just a, just above freezing for so four or five degrees like, maybe. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cold. Um, it's just above freezing. It is raining, and so I get out. I go to the bank. And everyone looks at me, and I'm wearing my my grandfather's big uh, World War II uh, Navy jacket, right? And a bandana over my face, and a fucking cowboy hat. And I walked into the bank like I'm going to rob the place like it's 1856 or something. And everyone stares at me for a moment, and there's this long moment where I think for sure, I said, I'm going to get shot. I'm going to get shot. Buying quarters is the most pathetic death I could possibly have imagined for myself. Is it bad? Like it's a. I, I, this is a weird thing, but like in 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 the UK, the uh, security obviously. I thought you could ask shot if is bad. That, I thought you were going to ask if that was the most pathetic death that I had imagined for myself. I oh, know. <laughs> I, I I could I could think of a more pathetic one right off the bat. Um, yeah. No, I was going to say the in, in the. Um, in the UK, we've got banks, and they used to have the big glass, and you couldn't literally, if you want, not that you would, but if you you couldn't touch or get to the person behind the thing because it was all sealed in with glass. And in the last couple of years, they've had this massive kind of shift, and it's all like like the Apple Store. It's like there's no actual physical barriers anywhere, and it's really weird. And I just yeah, well, they don't keep money in banks anymore. It's like a few thousand dollars on hand at any time. Yeah, I actually know a guy who robbed a bank. <laughs> um, he didn't wear a bandana. That was just, that's where he fucked up. He spent yeah. a good amount of time in jail for that. He got like four thousand dollars. Uh. <laughs> like four thousand dollars. What is that in what is that in uh in pounds? I don't even know. It's almost the same because no, our pound has just slipped so bad. It's almost. It used to be like um, yeah, almost I two think... to one for a while there. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, they just they, they just don't keep money in there anymore because it's like what's the risk? It's all electronic these days. The only people who you, come in are jerks buying quarters. Yeah, are you um? So Texas, let's get back to Texas, right? I am obsessed with Texas, um, partly because when I met you and you told me a little bit about Texas, I was like, oh, that's cool. It's not like because a lot of people think that Texas is a, uh, a nah. I don't want to say redneck, but they think it's kind of like a very conservative ultra right wing ish kind of thing all about oil all about money not very nice to different types of people kind of thing and then I met you um, not that I thought that about Texas but when I met you you were talking about like how Texas is a bit of a weird state and like how it's kind of like you get different areas but they're quite diverse like Austin for example is quite left leaning as a city maybe would you say or yeah yeah Austin Austin's a weird city. Um, man, I don't, you know, the the more I travel, right, because I've lived in like eight states in the U.S. Yeah. and three countries outside of the U.S., the more I travel, the more I, th- I realize that in Western countries, at least, it's less like geographic regions have have those those bins and it's more that more that it's just rural versus city because texas is 
hardcore in the city of Dallas, in the city of Austin, in the city of San Antonio, in the city of Houston, it is far, far left. Yeah. Anywhere outside of those areas, it really is gun-toting shotgun rack on the back of the pickup truck with a Confederate flag. The kind of people you see protesting with AK-47 strapped to their backs. Yeah, because you're allowed to carry a rifle in Texas, right? You are for some reason. I do not know why, but you are. <laughs> you can literally, like, so say you had a license to, and you bought a gun legally, you could, like, grab yeah. your AK-47. Yep. Are you allowed an AK-47 in, in the state of Texas? Yeah, I think so. No, probably not, actually, because I don't think you're allowed to have fully automatic weapons anymore. That's where those bump stocks were a thing, because they kind of yeah. turned them in, yeah. So you could buy a rifle and just go down to the shop to get some ham and carry yeah. a rifle with you. And yeah, it's all and just good. like put a bullet or two in it just to make sure, right? I don't know why. I don't know why people like to do it. I don't know why people... this. I Actually, I, I kind of do. <laughs> 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 it, it really is. It comes down to the rights argument, which is such the American paradox, right? is that we're so concerned with our rights to do things that we forget that we tromp on over all over other people's rights by doing them. And it doesn't make it, I don't know, man, it doesn't make it wrong or evil. Like if that guy, if that guy had an AK 47 in those pictures and they were just doing their peaceful protest thing, I'd be like, that's a weird thing to do, but they have the right to do it. Yeah. They have the right to do it. Mm. It's when it becomes an intimidation factor that makes it, not okay because I think one can be extremely liberal left wing or extremely right wing conservative and still be a guns rights activist. Yeah, so like for like I'm a very sort of people think of me as I I think of myself as a centrist, a left leaning centrist. I believe in like uh, I don't know it, it does it doesn't really translate properly from my country to yours, but whatever. But like if I lived in America, I'd believe in like. I believe in free healthcare, which would automatically make me a super ultra left, right? Yeah. Um, but I would also, you know, when I see all, all these uh, lines in the gun shops and stuff uh, at the outbreak, you know, at the beginning of COVID, I, I, we saw loads of massive lines on the news for gun stores and stuff. And I just thought, I've always said, I don't believe in guns and, you know, you're more likely to get shot and all this kind of... But I said... Do you know what? I'd fucking have a gun right now because, like, if everyone else has got a gun and things went south fast, I don't know. I would. I, if I lived in America and I hadn't had a gun up to this point and then guns became a very hot item and everyone had one, I would seriously consider getting one. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's... And you'd be in your rights to do that, and I think it's I think it's perfectly acceptable to want like it's a, it's a method of self defense. Selfishly, I want to live, and I don't want to have my life taken by someone with guns if things went bad. Right, and that's the uh, that's the that's the issue, right? Is uh, that at the end of the day, everyone's thinking from that perspective, and in everyone else, in everyone's mind, they're the lone hero that survives the apocalypse, and you're just some background zombie. Right, you're you're this threat that your rights, your need to have a gun or toilet paper or whatever doesn't matter as long as they get. I don't get a the toilet paper it. thing, you know. I really don't get the toilet paper thing. Like my theory, though, is for why it was such a hot item is if you think about it from a logistical point of view, toilet paper is very cheap, right? 
mm-hmm. takes up a lot of space. Like if you could fill up like a truck worth of a truck full of toilet paper is gonna is for X amount of dollars compared to a truck full of like meat for mm-hmm. X amount of dollars. It's it's not in their interest to stock loads of it, and they haven't got the space to put it places or whatever. So it, if anything is going to sell out fast, it's probably that. That's the best theory I've heard so far. Is that yeah. I like that because that's a good reason for it to start and then people start panic buying it because they don't want to be the only watch. person with a poopy yeah. butthole. Yeah. But Which, I mean, if you if if you have to choose, I genuinely think that if people, you know, have to make a very hard choice to be like, right, you can either buy $20 of beans or rice or $20 of toilet roll, people would probably spend a long time considering. <laughs> and you think... I don't know. What's I, your uh, what's your sort of opinion on on the gun stuff? You know, is it is it is it more of a neutral right for an American, or is it you know because it sort of gets lumped in with this right wing stuff? You know, the yeah. right leaning, which I don't get. I don't I don't get. I think it's a. I think it should be every every American's right to own a gun. I don't think anyone needs an automatic weapon. What are you going to hunt with an automatic weapon? Yeah. What are you going to defend yourself from with an automatic weapon? And the people always say, oh, the government. Dude, the government's going to drop a bomb on you from from some... some... kid playing Xbox in Arizona. Like, <laughs> yeah. <you're smashed. laughs> yeah. There's, unless, unless you're going to go to the gun store and buy yourself a defense satellite network, you're you're outgunned. <laughs> mm. But I, I really do think... It, I think it's important. I think it's a thing that people have the right to, to own. I think it should I, I be. Think I think it should thing. be highly regulated, though, right? I think you should. The reason that it's a debate is the same reason that everything in America is a debate. Is that if you disagree with me in the slightest, you're completely wrong, and there's no but, yeah. middle ground, right? It can't be that yes, everyone should be able to own guns, but not everyone. We should really regulate it to people with that meet mental health standards and have uh, safety training. Which yeah, no, for sure. I mean, because like literally, like you could. But then that's where it gets a bit, it gets a bit murky because uh, healthcare isn't free in America, so it's not like how many people are out there undiagnosed with issues that could be a problem if they had a gun. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole, uh, it's a whole thing. It's that's my favorite thing about America is it is just the when this world collapses, right, mm. and the next. Whatever, whatever the twenty-first century version of the Malthusian gap is going to be, when this world collapses and the next society rises, America is going to be the perfect, perfect example of how to build a nation. Not because we did everything right, but because by God, we fought about fucking everything, and because we didn't ever come to decisions on it. Mm. We fought about it for our entire existence, and so any country that models themselves after us will have the great opportunity to look at all of the things we could have just decided on to begin with. Yeah, and, it's, 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 America's got the most attitude of any country in the world. It's a, it's a very feeling, emotional country, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's, it's built into the core, cool. right? It's, yeah. it's a country... I, there are not a lot of countries out there where the foundation of it is a group of people who started a revolution with 40% approval rating and then fought each other the entire time about why they were having a revolution and then fought each other the entire time about what they were actually going to make with the revolution. 
and then very nearly had a civil war for an entire hundred years of boiling point, and then did have one. Like, mm. it's a nation that we've spent most of our time hating each other. <laughs> Honestly, that's a, that's a, something that I've noticed is that um, you know during all this kind of time, it kind of does pull people together and. You know, wouldn't it be awesome if there was like a scenario where we come out of this and and we have a, an appreciation for everyone else? And you know, you know, like, like this hyper, this hyper condensed world. Like people are not very polite to each other, depending on where you live. But if you live in a city, human life sort of the value of that degrades the more people you cram into it and stuff. But now that people are like forced to sort of stay at home and have no contact, you might kind of say hello to someone on the street and say ah morning you know and like that might really fire you up and give you a awesome sense of being a human being again compared to before all this where it was like your face says probably not <laughs> no i was just thinking right? so, you know when you're on a motorcycle and you could go by another guy on a motorcycle you give him a peace sign or i don't i do right and you give him the the peace sign mm. I've been doing that when I when I go on my jogs or bike rides now, and I didn't used to do that, and I feel like I actually get a, a response. I'm also in the middle of a very rural town, so maybe that. But I don't know. I like that. That'd be, be. What's going on on your side of the world? Do people are people acting like that when you go out, or are people? spitting in each other's faces if you if you smile and say hello uh well like if i'm being honest like i where i live i live on barry island which is a, a read it's part of a town um right next to the beaches and stuff so everyone from this town it's like a forty thousand or fifty thousand people size town if anyone wants to sort of go out or take the dog for a walk or just go somewhere nice for a walk they come here and because I was kind of worried about my wife and maybe some underlying medical issues and, and, and myself, like when the lockdown came in and I was like going out, there were just too many people out. Like people weren't really taking it seriously. They were like, like our government, our, uh, I'm going to, I don't want to get sucked into it. Basically our government fucked up bad. They didn't really, they didn't say the government wants you to stay at home. You can go out for exercise once a day, blah, blah, blah. They kind of said, in very murky muddy language if you can stay at home we would like it blah 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 i don't know if they were you know fearing a, a civil unrest or whatever but they, they 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 fucked it up bad and people were told to stay at home if they could or whatever um and there was just too many people out and you think i just can't i've spoken to people who work for the nhs and they they, they were saying I'm going to work every day, coming in with sores all over my face from work, you know, wearing PPE, watching people die. And the only way we can stop this is if everyone doesn't go out. And I go, I'm on my drive to work today, and I see loads of people walking around, not observing social distancing rules and stuff like that. So to be fair, I think in this country at the moment, people are not really taking this seriously. And that's the biggest problem because people, I mean, no one likes to, to lose freedoms and do all this stuff, but they just don't care. They just... It doesn't affect them yet. And yes. It hasn't yet. And that's that's what it comes down to. That's the... It's, we're, we're Honestly, we're having the same conversation, right? When we're talking about gun control versus this. Mm. Is that 
my rights means wh- whatever you follow my right to whatever comes after that what you're referring to really is your right to selfishly pursue your own pursuits yeah that's it's what like, it comes down to is you like, don't give a shit about what actually is right or wrong you just want what you want to happen happen right and people until they realize that it's a threat to them and until it's a personal involvement and personal investment they don't consider it a threat and therefore it's not something they give a shit about and so they don't care if nurses die or doctors are you know crying their eyes out every day dealing with this my sister-in-law is an ER nurse people people don't give a crap until it happens to them and then and then, then it's too late but that's that's the problem so like because all this has been going on like we're over here in the UK we're in lockdown and we're allowed to go out once a day for exercise um, and to go shopping and stuff like that but you know where we live everyone comes to to exercise or to come out so every time we went out there's a you know there's quite open spaces like beaches and parks and roads and stuff but there's quite a lot of uh, bottlenecks there's quite a lot of like narrow paths and stuff so you'd end up going down a narrow path and you'd have like two or three people walking together and you're meant to keep two meters away from people so you'd get to a point and you just think oh they're going to move or they're going to go in single file and they wouldn't and you're like what am I what <laughs> like do yeah. I do I, I'll just turn around and go back like it's so we just been going out at night and I've been running I've done a couple of 10 kilometer runs and a couple of 15 kilometer runs because I was due to be competing in an Ironman event in July which is off rightly so as well um, so if I see people if I see the police right I'll wave because I want to know I want them to know that I'm like hey how, how's it going because I think the police are getting a lot of stick at the moment in this country and damn like to be a cop right now would suck hard so and they're, they're the ones that are going to keep us safe so I want to just sort of it's quite a it's not a very popular view to have um, as a someone that comes from a you know someone who plays in a punk rock band someone that grew up that grew up in the area that I grew up at I want to say it like I really am really grateful for the police and I just think you know all this pe- all the people that are hating on them and causing them problems and coming up with these like you know people are breaking the rules and the police are saying look can you just move on just do your exercise and go home and they're saying well i've got a right to freedom and you just think guys like there's thousands of people dying and this guy could be one of them from right. speaking to you yeah and he's, he's, he's got kids he's got a family or whatever like just fuck off go home yeah it's uh what's the, what's the deal with america like your state right now pennsylvania and the police have they got rights to sort of move people on and stuff? They do. Most people just kind of obey the rules in my area. I guess so. I'm, I, I gotta be honest, I'm in a really weird um, situation. So I live mm. in State College, Pennsylvania. And if the name doesn't give it away, the reason it exists is because the State College is here. It's a population of 50,000 plus 75,000 students. The lockdown happened over spring break. So the population of the town was at 40% when the lockdown happened, and most of those students just never came back. And so what you have is a town of people who are 
mostly mostly either way on one end of the wealth spectrum, right? You professors mm-hmm. and real estate people and service industry folks. Uh, but you have such a low population that people are just sort of keeping to themselves. I, I'll, I haven't been anywhere that I've had to be – again, I, I don't go out very much, but when I do – I don't see a lot of people, right? And everyone who is is really, yeah, really so we're probably nice. not the best of, like, we're probably not the best. Uh, yeah, it's not like you live in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Oh, dude, when I went to Philadelphia about four years ago, the first night we stayed there, a four by four crashed into the wall of the hotel that we were in. Philadelphia is so weird. I was, so I was there for, I was there for all of 15 minutes before I got a really solid introduction. I land in Philadelphia I was going to see a friend before we moved out here. It's a good airport. It's, yeah, I, if you're in the train station. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you can jump on a train straight away, which is un- unheard of. I've never been to an airport where you can jump on a train, go straight to the city center straight away. Seoul has that. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. Continue. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, you would have done the, the super drunk interview I had on uh, <laughs> Korean national TV. <laughs> they caught me after like a 15 hour flight in which I'd just been jamming drinks the entire time and just yeah. blasted drunk in the Seoul airport wearing a Hawaiian shirt mm. um, telling them how it's such a blessed airport or whatever something some rambling anyways yeah so I'm in Philadelphia right I get out of, I get off the uh, the airplane get my bags all that jazz right and I'm waiting in the area where you know the Uber cars come and pick people up yeah. And the taxis in there or whatever. And I hear this yelling and I hear this lady I see this lady screaming into a car window and the guy kind of pulls jerks forward and she chases him down and spits into the window. Like <laughs> she chases him down not to get something, but just to really land a loogie on his face. <laughs> And then feels a hand on her and turns around and just slaps the piss out of this airport cop. And I don't know what it's like in the UK, right? Every country has different laws. But the airport cops here aren't... They're not like mall cops. They're like federal border agents. And so she yeah. slaps the piss out of this dude. <laughs> and you can see her face just, oh, fuck. What happened? They arrested the ever-living hell out of her, and she screamed the entire time. And that was my first 15 minutes in Philadelphia. Oh, was... jeez. <laughs> I, I went to a 7-Eleven after that, um, the next day, and there was, there was a guy with the... Uh, he wasn't a cop, because I get... Well, you assume he wasn't a cop, but he, people walking around with uh, pistols on their hip. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy... The cops just don't care there. I was at the train station there a while back, uh, and th- three cops are walking down the street, and behind them is a crazy person on a bicycle screaming profanities at them at the top of his lungs, just screaming profanities at the police, and they're just they've did yeah they're like see no evil mode. It's the cops you, just don't care in that city. Have you thought about maybe getting a gun or anything like? Um in the state that you're in is that even a thing like in philadelphia oh yeah pennsylvania has got pretty good law or pretty pretty loose laws i'd never thought about owning a a protective firearm um 
not seriously, until about a, two months ago, three months ago, yeah. Jody and I went camping, and I don't know. I'm, I don't know if you know this. I'm a pretty outdoors you, kind of person. Yeah, you got monsters over there trying to fucking kill everyone, though. Like you've got like real problem animals, not just squirrels and budgies yeah. and stuff like we've got. But we were we were camping, and in the middle of the night, we heard a noise. A branch fell in the tent or something, right? And I think it's just because she's pregnant. Both of us freaked out at like 2.30 in the morning and packed up all of our stuff and got in the car and drove home. And because we felt so protective and so scared. Um, and that's the only that was when I decided I think I need a gun because otherwise, as a father, I'm not going to be able to sleep at night. Mm. Which is it was just madness, right? Because I've been, you know, I've slept on... I've just slept drunkenly on benches in in Daegu. And yeah, but felt it's not safe America, doing though. that. <laughs> I was, yeah, that's true. I was, I was kind of thinking, yeah, no, I was just kind of like thinking about like if... So as an American living in America and you see the surge in gun purchases, which is fine, people are allowed to have guns, does that, is that sort of influenced your decision? Like, you're thinking a little bit like, no. No, I mean, it's... Chuck Norris is from Texas. I met Chuck Norris once. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice guy. He used he to seems eat, like a nice guy. He used to eat brunch at the same place that I would go for brunch. <laughs> um, we were there coming down off of mescaline when we met him. <laughs> so it was probably a you less. You and Chuck. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't tell you that story. That's that was. <laughs> I usually lead with that one. We can either confirm or deny that Chuck Norris was involved in. This is yeah. obviously a lie. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't do I didn't do drugs with Chuck Norris. Sadly, it was also probably not nearly as pleasant of a conversation for him, since yeah. I was coming down off a of mescaline. In your head, you're thinking you went, "Hey, Chuck, I'm a massive fan. See you later." But what I actually happened was like, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, face first into his mashed potatoes or whatever he's eating. Yeah. Or you made some like really hacky Chuck Norris joke like Why is the potato scared of the thing? Chuck Norris and just ran out. Yeah. Mm. I wish. So I got a little bit of a segue. We can obviously um I'm just gonna pause for a second because we can cut this out because this isn't live. But I was gonna sort of just talk Do you about clap hacky back in. I paused mine as well people could actually see it like I, I've, I've got a link to it somewhere i haven't actually pushed it around there or anything is that something you, you're cool with yeah ah uh, okay you pause right. yours i'm gonna start a new file from my end okay we'll count in we'll count in I'm gonna... and i'll go off my clap So we're talking about like self-defense and all this kind of stuff. Pretty interesting. I can't believe we haven't brought it up yet. Um, I so I met Clayton. I'm talking. I'm breaking the, the fourth wall here. <laughs> I met Clayton um, when we were in South Korea, and we both went to the same kickboxing gym, Chung Ho Production. I think is the name. Not that I ever yeah. knew because it was just like the kickboxing gym for me. But Chung Ho, man, I can't remember you. Yeah, got, that is that is got, the one. I've been trying I've got, to think of that. I got the blue chip, blue tiger. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I did a bit of MMA and jiu-jitsu and 
not much striking back in the UK before I left for Korea. Um, but we both had a mutual friend called Drew. Big shout out to Drew. Awesome guy. Um, do you do you speak to Drew often? I don't. Every now and then I'll look at his Facebook just because seeing his smile makes me smile. Such an awesome guy. He's a Korean-American, grew up in San Francisco, I think, is it? San Diego, I think. Ah, San Diego, yeah. California, Um, somewhere in SoCal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, went out to sort of uh, reconnect with Korean family. He was a Korean teacher at one of the schools. Well, the, the school that me and Clayton both worked at. We spoke to him. He did K- kickboxing or K1. We went to the gym, got into it. And uh, me and Clayton both went and started getting trained and doing kickboxing without speak. My Korean wasn't excellent ever. Um, but was your Korean good when we were going there? No. I mean, I was, I was learning the basics then, but... Yeah, so we were just kind of hoping we were understanding what's going on i don't know if you know like to anyone that's listening or watching if you drill kickboxing um they'll do numbers uh and they'll be like in english you know they'll say a four and four will be like uh jab 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 straight straight hook or whatever um so it was a real good incentive to get your korean good because if you didn't then you would end up getting like a head kick to the face um, yeah, yeah, I remember, man. I've still got some photos of that bruise that the the gym master left on my leg when yeah. he told me, "All right, block this kick." You know, I'm l- looking at him dead in the face. Okay, I understand yeah. you clearly having no idea what he says, yeah. and he just nailed me. I'm oh. sure to him it was like a ten percent, but that my leg was black and yellow for weeks. So, um, yeah. So, basically. I'm a photographer filmmaker. I finished my degree in uh, photography from Falmouth where I went there and I was really interested in video and I couldn't actually shoot video at uni even though I was meant to, but I was like, wherever. So I bought a little handy cam, you know, this, I don't know, back in the day, phones were shit and you couldn't video, like now you can make a movie off an iPhone pretty much, but back then you couldn't. And I would, I had this like little handy cam thing, you know, with a little flip out screen. And I was like, I'm going to learn video. And I just filmed everything, just like I did with photography and I would, uh, wherever. So me and Clayton were both kind of competing. We were both training to compete for a fight. Um, And then I had a motorcycle crash. Uh, Not really a crash. It sounds sounds a bigger thing than it was. Basically, I hit, you know, braked. I was new to motorbikes. the front wheel slid out i came off cracked a rib and i just couldn't train anymore i could like lit- breaking a rib is the worst thing in the world because it's not that big a deal but you can't breathe you can't do anything you literally cough and it's you're in pain for it for ages so i was like right well i the gym was kind of like my place to go and it was like my routine and i really missed it and stuff so i just kept turning up and i kept filming and then clayton um signed up for a fight um and I was like, right, well, I'll just come here and film Clayton training in the lead up to the fight. Um, and I made a very, a very basic, very first kind of introduction into film film uh, called Grilled on the Inside. You'll have to watch it to find out why it's called Grilled on the Inside. Uh, and basically, it follows Clayton through the training. You don't have you not seen you. You've seen it. You've definitely seen it. I don't know why it's called Grilled on the Inside, though. Okay. 
Well, I thought no, we could watch it again. Don't spoil it. Right, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. Um, but yeah, it's basically, yeah, and uh, it it follows Clayton, who's never done any martial arts before this, right? Nothing. Nothing. Just sheer American optimism. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to spoil it for people because it's a great it's a great film, and I'll just I'll just say that what you think is going to happen isn't going to happen. Um, but it's it's worth watching, and we follow Clayton uh, training for his fight all the way through. Uh, for a couple of months, and then we go up to where was it? Ch- Chun. It was it was a different city anyway. We left for a different Chunan. city. Chunan. It was in Chunan. Chunan. No, no, it was not. It was in Chengju. Because Chunan was when I did my tournament. So yeah, Chengju. Yeah, yeah we, went, we went to Chengju, and Clayton for a legit serious as fuck Korean who had been like kickboxing a lot longer than he w- had, um, and it was a big and it was a big battle and I won't spoil it for anyone else but uh, you know definitely worth a watch and I, I, I still go through the numbers like if I go to a gym now and I'm hopefully getting a, a, a kick bag put up in the garden so I can do my cardio at home um, but I still everything that that Korean K1 master taught us is stuck with me today the stretches the numbers the routines everything he was I mean he was Korea champion like four years running and he was national, or not international, he was uh, K1, which is basically Southeast Asia champion, yeah. several years, which, yeah. I mean, I, if, you're, if, if you're K1 champion, that means you're fighting against people from Thailand who grow up doing this from the time they're three years old. Yeah. In fact, what I might do is I'll, uh, I'm going to just grab a link up while we're here where people can go and check it out and then throw it up, but as long as you're happy for that, Clayton. Yeah, I'm gonna make me. I'm gonna watch it again, so I figured out why it's called Grilled on the Inside. I think I know, but I don't want to spoil it. Ah, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love why it's called Grilled on the Inside. Um, all all I remember from that experience is having more than a few moments looking back where I was like, it's it was weird to have someone following me around filming this because you were it gets gets you were my friend there. too right yeah. you were you were my friend and so it was just like yes fuzz is here and he has his camera with him today or he doesn't today that's and eventually it is becomes normal yeah but yeah on the same note while we were while i'm digging that link out what was happening Did, was that i followed drew as well and drew um had uh Drew had basically left America to come back and reconnect with his family from Korea and stuff. So there was a bit of that. Well, there was a little bit of that in the background. But Drew was a very, very serious fighter compared to what me and Clayton were doing. That was Um, his first pro fight. Is that correct? I think so. It was a big fight regardless, though. So, like, it was... um, Yeah, and we... So it's basically... I follow two people. I follow Clayton and Drew... The, the training and the lead up and and uh, do you know what like it's it's really annoying because I filmed that before I knew what I was doing a video but I'm glad that I did because um, because it's uh, I don't know it's just, I'm just glad that I did I just I, the one thing that bugs me about it is that I didn't ah oh, there we go hang on I've just found the little the little link thing so I'm just going to get it on the screen so I can like plug it to everyone else documentary film the thing that bugs me about it is that I I shot it and I graded it in a way that I couldn't remaster it I don't know if that makes sense to other people 
but when you, you know, nah, I'm not going to bore people with that. Right, I'm going to check this out. <laughs> I'll start recording and then we'll just clap on. Right. So three, two, one. Cool. Um, so yeah, we were talking, Clayton and I went to the same kickboxing gym. Uh, we had a mutual friend, Drew, who talked us, uh, you know, talked us into going. I'd done a little bit of uh, K1, a little, no, I did a little bit of kickboxing, a little bit of MMA, a little bit of Jiu-Jitsu, nothing major. And Clayton didn't, very like nothing, right? Nothing, literally nothing. And then Clayton, as I, I might have already mentioned, but with his American optimism ended a fight and it was a great it was a great experience and we were both meant to be um fighting not each other but people uh and then i had a motorcycle accident broke a rib couldn't train or compete but because i was going to the gym and i was hanging out with my buddies you know clayton and drew and stuff i um i thought well i'm just going to keep going and document it and i ended up putting together a film which clayton won't be able to see at the moment but i'm going to switch over um, and the film's called Grilled on the Inside. It was my first documentary film, and I made it on a very, very basic little JVC Handycam. And it followed Clayton and Drew um, in the lead-up to the first fights. And I might just play a little bit in the background. Um, yeah, so basically, do you want to talk us through, like, your experience from that kind of stuff? You know, what it was like for you, having me follow you around with the camera, and, like, your introduction to uh to fighting man um let's see i think my experience with it would be different from most people who had an experience with having a documentary in their lives because not only was i being filmed i was being filmed by a smart ass welshman ah you're too kind <laughs> who I, like the the moment that I often find myself looking back to is funny like at some point I'm I don't want to spoil it because this might be the point where you that comes that uh, that inspires the name but I just remember cooking and you calling me out about how I was cooking and everything yeah. you're supposed to be <laughs> you're breaking the fourth wall fuck off and let me cook my dinner yeah uh i like like i said for, for anyone that's watching um i'm just gonna sort of like bring up a couple of scenes that are going on i'm not gonna explain what's going on but um maybe you could uh talk so right now i'm just playing some unaudioed clips and we're i'm in the taxi with drew on the way to his first fight which was quite a serious fight and seinfeld was on the tv in the hotel and i didn't know what it was then and now i do so that's interesting um love seinfeld Oh God! Right here we go. Here's Clayton pre-fight. That okay? I'm just gonna pause it. I'm gonna go back a second. Oh my God! You can't see it. Clayton can't see this, by the way. But Clayton, this I've got a random piece of footage right from just before you stepped into the ring for your fight. Do you want to just give us like you know 60 seconds? Or give us a minute of like you're the kid from Texas that went to South Korea. Somehow you've ended up going to a kickboxing gym, and uh... I so having not understood, but maybe five percent of what was said to me in training to kickbox, I really went into it with like a, a combination of 
of disproportionate confidence. <laughs> this and is so funny because you can't see the, the frame that I've stuck on. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. It's so a combination of disproportionate confidence and just decision to like <laughs> lean on the one thing that I knew I'd been doing right, which is just training my brains out. Yeah. And so I might not know anything about kickboxing, but I was in amazing shape. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to train. I'm just going to pile drive this guy as hard as I can until he gives up was my, that was my entire fight strategy was just keep punching until he runs out of gas. Yeah. Um, it's definitely with what, like I, I hate, I hate plugging stuff. That's my own work. And to be honest, I didn't even know it was work. It was just what I was doing. I had just had to document it. But it's definitely worth a watch. Like, um, but yeah, so if you go to Chris Chukas dot com, if you can't spell it, bleh, just click the link wherever. Chris dot com forward slash documentary film. And then the top one um, is grilled on the inside. And actually, Clayton, you make an appearance in my second documentary, I'm pretty sure, which was called Never Going Home, which is kind of what this podcast well, is definitely what this podcast is named after. And Never Going Home was the um, the band name of the band that I, I started and it's got that's right it's got like 17 band members that decided that it was not for them and it ended up with <laughs> and it's got, oh I can't believe you I've seen it have you seen, you must have seen it right I think I have seen that one because it would yeah I remember the the sort of we got Derek there Derek's coming on the podcast Derek's a uh I don't know. He's got a big boy job in America, much like yourself. I don't know what he does. He um, he does something important. Um, Derek, for the viewers that can see this feed now, I'm just shaking a little cursor over him. Derek from uh, Minnesota, and then we got Joseph Neat Tech. I spoke to Joe the other week. I spoke to Derek the other week, and you got Tech who's back in Korea with Candice, and they've started their own hagwon. And you got me on the end, looking a lot skinnier and a lot healthier than I am now. What are you going to do? <laughs> so It's kind of how it goes when you film a documentary about kickboxing and you don't keep with it. I didn't even have like, a fight, though. That's what I mean. I kind of want to have a fight in a way because it's so ingrained in me. Like, when we went training, they'd go, Hannah, I'll do a set, Hannah, I'll do a set. And all the tra- and, you know, the stretches and and the skipping and the burpees and the pack. I... I can do it in my. I could do it with my eyes closed now. Like I, I go to a gym and I go to a punch bag, a, a long bag that you can kick, and I will kick. It, I think I'm kicking anyway, the exact same way that I was taught. Do you know what I mean? It just it gets into your bones. Like when you do it for that many hours. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, so I started. I was doing it again here for a while, and before the pandemic thing happened, I was doing kickboxing again at a pretty serious gym, and. It's weird. Like I hadn't done it since, since basically this doc. Not since this documentary, but maybe one, two years after this documentary was filmed, was when I quit kickboxing. I had a, I had my own motorcycle accident. And that was kind of the end of it for me. And yeah, oh yeah, it was. I I beefed my knee a bit, but it was a temporary thing, right? But like you said, what is this like? Eight years later. 10 years later, it was when they started calling out the combos. I had to, I, I had to connect that it was the same numbers. But once I did that, I knew the combos all the way, all the combos that they, they had been doing in that gym by heart. I'm watching this fight now. I'm watching this documentary. 
I was bad. No. I, no. You were looking really solid in all your training in the gym, which is uh, interesting. Right. Yeah, but you, there were some... I forgot how brutal he was in he terms of... the shit out of me. Right. He was... He was... He was hardcore he was compared brutal. to this other... The, this is a, a professional fighter's gym that I'm going to here in America, and they don't... They don't roll like this guy rolled on, like, fifth graders. Is He would treat them like pros. Like, if I was... Um, if I was having a really good day at the training and uh, sort of was sparring with an adult that would normally get the better of me and then sort of kind of got the upper hand out, you know, unexpectedly. I'd have a bit of a glimmer in my eye. If you get your ass handed to you constantly month after month or week after week or wherever at a gym and then one day you turn the tables around through all that hard work, then you feel amazing. And it's one of those reasons that I love, like, a really good fighter a really professional level fighter can be one of the most entertaining and wonderful people to hang out with because they've got no ego because they've been slapped down so many times getting to their level that they've got no ego left, right? I'm sure... Th- I really want to get back into it really badly. You should get back into it, man. Even at 35, like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna go in the ring again, right? Since but I found like out you about said, it, I'll, I'll do bag workouts all the time. In fact, I still do them when I when I can get access to a a, a bag. But uh, you know, I I would definitely think twice, knowing what I do now about you know head trauma and 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 CT damage and stuff like that. And I don't want to put a damp on the sport or anything, but just you know, kickboxing and 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 MMA, jiu-jitsu and stuff. They're all amazing sports, great for building up confidence and discipline and that kind of stuff. But you know, yeah, you got to be careful with it now. I, so I'm so I'm going to agree with that, but I'm going to say, I think my feeling my feeling is that martial arts is different because you go into martial arts very aware of that risk. I think the the really big danger, if even something like football, right, where you're not supposed to be running into each other, but you still do sometimes, you get hurt bad. But I think you you walk into the ring very explicitly aware of the fact that you're putting your body in a very specific kind of physical risk. And I think that that's a lot more of a choice, you know? There's a reason that boxing isn't a a sport in elementary schools, right? It's because a child that age isn't isn't capable of making that choice for themselves yet. So we're going to wrap things up now and sign off. I hope everyone out there is staying safe wherever you are in the world. You guys in America, everyone around me over here in the UK, stay safe. Try not to get sucked into all the hate and stuff that you see. Be kind to each other. Look after each other. So, yeah, hoping to do these a bit more regularly. Uh, massive thanks to Clayton. Um, you know, they should be a bit more regularly now that I got the setup done to uh, get people to sort of Skype in and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's been a while since I've been doing it regularly. So if you want to check that out, just search for Never Going Home with First Trucus wherever you get podcasts. Um, and obviously the YouTube channel and stuff like that. Give it a thumbs up and hit the bell if you want to get notifications. Um, yeah, just drop me a message on Instagram at Fuzz underscore Chukas, um, and on Facebook and stuff. But I'm going to hand over to Clayton. He's going to take you out. Right. I'm Clayton Whittle. It was super nice, to be, super nice to be here, Fuzz. I really appreciate it, man. It was a lot of fun. Uh, if you, for some reason, want to learn a whole lot about my anti-government stances, um, how I feel about guns, 
or learning technology or Dungeons and Dragons, you look me up on Twitter at uh, Clayton underscore Whittle, where I talk a lot about how Dungeons and Dragons and the and uh, conspiracy theories are the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bake cookies for your neighbors, folks. <laughs>